Parshat Bo. I've had some themes on the mind recently in the last few weeks, unity being one of them. That's one of those themes that probably makes its rounds. You know, our thoughts on unity on many levels, family, congregation, just our wider community here, the wider movement. Unity is a natural human desire, I suppose, one that is probably embedded into our souls by Adonai. And uh, we see some great examples of that in Scripture, including this week in Parshat Bo. And so we're going to, okay, very good, very good. We're going to get into that. Parshat Bo, of course, describes the last three of the famous ten plagues that Adonai is raining down on Pharaoh. So let's turn there. We're going to begin there this morning. Is Shemot, or Exodus chapter 11. Very give you a minute to get to, I don't have page numbers for you, but Exodus chapter 11 shouldn't be too difficult for you folks to find. This is the final plague. There is, of course, the eighth plague was locusts, and then the ninth plague was darkness. And this is the tenth plague, which is death. Interesting to note, many of the other plagues affected the Egyptians, but largely didn't affect the Israelites, this one is a little different, a bit of the equalizer. Everybody is in danger in the final plague. So we're going to read through just a little bit of this here. Exodus chapter 11, verse 1. Now Adonai said to Moses, I will bring one more plague upon Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he'll let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely thrust you out altogether from here Speak now into the ears of the people and let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor for articles of silver and gold. Adonai gave the people favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. Let's pause there for a second. It's an interesting angle here. Adonai gave the people favor. This is the Hebrew word chen. Nice, cute little word, hatnun but very powerful favor that's often translated as grace. You would think that the Egyptians would be fearful and that Adonai put dread in their hearts. The Egyptians would be very afraid and dreadful of these Israelites that are causing all these plagues to happen. But instead, Adonai is giving the people grace and favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. Continuing, it says, indeed, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the eyes of Pharaoh's servants and in the eyes of the people, not in the eyes of Pharaoh. But it's interesting kind of outcome here of all these plagues so far. Verse 4, so Adonai said, this is what Adonai says, at around midnight, I will go out into the midst of Egypt and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt will die from the firstborn of Pharaoh sitting on his throne to the firstborn of the maidservant behind the mill, along with all the firstborn cattle. There will be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, the likes of which has never seen before nor will ever be again, but not so much as a dog will growl against any of B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel, 
neither man nor beast, so that you may know that Adonai makes a distinction between the Egyptians and between Israel. Adonai here makes a clear distinction between his people and Egypt, but there seems to be a looming equalizer here that is common to every man. That's death. Um, we're going to continue on here. Um, I'm going to jump down a little bit. Beginning in chapter 12, we've got a little bit of time here. Verse 1. I'm going to give some instruction here to them before the... Uh, before death comes. Now Adonai spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month will, be, will mark the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of the month, there's going to be a lot of parallels here between Yeshua and what's happening here. The tenth day of the month. Yeshua went into Jerusalem on the tenth day of the month, four days before he was put to death. Each man is, a, is to take a lamb for his family, one lamb for the household. But if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor are to take one according to the number of people. According to each person eating, you are to make your count for the lamb. Your lamb is to be without blemish. Of course, Yeshua was without blemish. A year old male, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You must watch over it until the 14th day of the month. Of course, this is Passover. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to slaughter it at twilight. They are to take the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the cross beam of the houses where they will eat it. They are to eat the meat that night, roasted over fire with matzot and bitter herbs. They are to eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled with water, but only roasted with fire. Its head and its legs and its innards, so let nothing of it remain until the morning. Whatever remains until the morning, you are to burn with fire. Also, you are to eat it this way, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You are to eat in haste. It is Adonai's Passover. Verse 12, for I will go throughout the land of Egypt on that night and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I'll execute judgments against the gods of Egypt. I am Adonai, the blood will be assigned for you on the houses that where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, so there will be no plague among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now again, Adonai makes a clear distinction between the Egyptians, of course, and the Israelites, but that common equalizer, death, is something that they need to prepare for of course, by applying the blood to the doorpost. Verse 12 says, He will strike down the firstborn of every man, not just the Egyptians. Every man will be struck down, the firstborn, unless he follows through with a ritual. Now, many people wonder, did some of the Egyptians seek refuge by joining in with their Israelite friends? Now, some commentators don't think so, and that's okay. But some do, and I find that opinion consistent with the merciful nature of our Creator. There's some commentary on this. Um, I found it, and it's called Shemot Rabbah um, on verse 18. 
It's really easy to find. If you just Google Shemot Rabbah 18, there'll be a link to Safaria. You click on it, Hebrew and English. It's very interesting stuff. And there's some commentators in there that don't agree that any of the Egyptians made it through it, but there are some that do. And I found this interesting note inside of that um, commentary, and it reads like this. God said, that's their words, God said, let anyone who loves my son come and celebrate with my son. The virtuous Egyptians came forward and performed the Paschal offering with Israel and departed with them. As it is stated, a mixed multitude ascended with them. Interesting. I think that's consistent just with the nature of the Lord and that there's always been a unity. There's always been a availability for, even though there is his called out people, there's always been a unity of those from the nation with, with them. When it came to deliverance from death, the Israelite and the Egyptians were at his mercy. But still, there was diversity within the nation. There's a little bit of unity in there. The mixed multitude went out from um, Egypt. The mixed multitude made it to Mount Sinai. The mixed multitude made it into the land. There's always unity within the Israelite nation. Adonai was separating out the Israelites not to save them at the expense of all the other nations, but he separated them out for the salvation of all the other nations. It's a much more positive spin on this. This is why the Egyptians found grace and favor in their eyes. The Lord desires the salvation of all nations. This is why he tells the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 4.6. He says, he's telling the children of Israel, he says, you must keep them and do them. This is the Torah he's talking about. For it is your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the peoples. This is the nations. People will look and see them. Surely this is a great nation. This is a great, na great nation as wise and understanding people. That's what the nations will say if they follow the Torah like the Lord commands. The word of Adonai was designed to be brought to all nations. He loves all nations. All peoples are loved by him. What we read here and what we've been reading for months is just training so that people begin, the Israelites would begin to be immersed in this process of uh, the temple ritual and sacrifices. That way, Yeshua's work on this earth would be recognized. As you see, his work is just a, the basis of it is in Torah. Yeshua came to urge his people into repentance, of course, that they might usher in the kingdom, bring peace to the world, and while that would not happen, he spoke of unity and the, what the kingdom comprises. Turn to John chapter 10. This is going to be very familiar to many of us, but it is great practice to open, read the words, and hear them. Um, John chapter 10, verse 11. I'm going to try to pull a little bit of this together here. John chapter 10, verse 11. This is where I was going to begin. I am the good shepherd, says Yeshua. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired worker is not the shepherd, and the sheep are not his own. He sees the wolf coming and abandons the sheep and flees. Then the wolf snatches and scatters the sheep. 
The man is only a hired hand and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in this fold. Those also I must lead, and they will listen to my voice. So there shall be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the fathers love me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. We see a great parallel here between the work of Yeshua 3,400 years ago in Egypt, it was the Israelites, the Egyptians, were at the mercy of blood on the doorpost. Nothing they could do. The only thing that would spare one, the only way to get deliverance from death was to have that blood on the doorpost. And it's the same with Yeshua, whether you were a Greek or a Roman during this time, or whether you're ones from the nations now, and whether you're Jewish or Gentile, it's just like whether you were Israelite or Egyptian, it's the same deliverance that we all need and the only deliverance that is available is that blood of Yeshua that covers everyone. Many from other flocks, Yeshua's flock was his, the Jewish people, his family, but he says there's those from other flocks and he will lead them too. He must lead them and he did lead them and does lead them. It began very soon after that, that many from the nations, Greeks, Romans, they began feeling the spirit stirring within them. The Yeshua-believing synagogues that we read about in the New Testament, in Corinth and in Ephesus and other places, looked very much like this. Yes, there was Jews there, but many people from the nations were gathering there as well. Strengthening each other, supporting each other. There's that unity again. And this is what we're doing here today, seeking him in unity. I was blessed a few weeks ago to be a part of a unity event on the movement scale. We're on the congregational scale here and on the family scale. But a few weeks ago, I attended the IAMCS Rabbis Conference. I know you people love acronyms as much as I do. The IAMCS stands for International Association of Messianic Congregations and Synagogues. It's the MJAA, essentially. It is an alliance of 154 Messianic congregations in 20 different countries. Many great people there. Um, I've, I've been to several of their events and the UMJC events as well. This was a leadership rabbis conference. Rabbis were there, elders were there, children's ministry directors were there. It was a blessing to meet with people who share in some of the unique challenges of ministry that I sometimes struggle with. Um, you know, James 3.1 says, be careful if you want to be a teacher, you're judged, you're judged more harshly. And sometimes uh, decisions that you have to make, you, you lie in bed at night thinking about some of these things and you dream about them and sometimes you wonder where to go for counsel, who's the next uh, rung up on the ladder, and to have these uh, men that I can 
tap into for wisdom and for counsel is something that's been invaluable to me. Very helpful. It's hard to quantify it and put it into words. And there's many people there that probably sound very familiar. There's the Chernoffs, the Liebermans, right? Jonathan Kahn was there. All very kind and gracious people. But I also met a lot of people like me, the little guy, or the newer guy. One of, I would call them peers, like Rabbi Mo Wolf. He has a congregation in Janesville, Wisconsin, an hour or two north of Chicago. But he's my age and has children that are the ages of my children. And so to be able to sit with him and, you know, we, we pray for each other, it was, uh, that's a unique experience, very helpful, very encouraging to me to sit there and to have a peer like that. There is uh, another congregational leader there. His name's Max D'Souza. He runs a congregation called Yisrael Tiferet, Yeshua Tiferet Yisrael. It's in um, Ontario. And they have, you know, they speak English and French. And of course, a little bit of Hebrew. Interesting with him, he's like us. He's not officially affiliated yet, but he's seeking. He wants to be part of something greater than himself. He knows unity really matters because together, there's more strength. We're all pulling in the same direction. And so we had a great conversation about the UMJC, the MJA, the different types of congregations that make these things up. Because there's a whole spectrum, some very charismatic, some very traditional, and a lot in between. And an alliance is the best word for it. This is the power of unity in the alliance. It's not a you couldn't call it a uh, denomination because a denomination really forces everyone's going to kind of be in lockstep and do the same thing. This is an alliance where we all are, it's about Yeshua, it's about Torah learning, and um, we're all pulling in the same direction here. Unity. That's what we're seeking. And this upcoming week, Hashem willing, I will submit an application for our community, Adat Etzkayin, to join the IAMCS. A step to a greater unity in the Messianic Jewish movement. There will be opportunities for all of us to tap into the many blessings of this, something we've been seeking for a very long time. One of many efforts we do in seeking the kingdom, unifying it with others that seek to do the same things. Seek the kingdom, um, be able to spread the word of Yeshua as the Jewish Messiah who came and align our efforts, everything that we do according to his will for the efforts of his kingdom and ultimately for his glory. Shabbat Shalom.